Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Probably one of the most significant characters of 
the book of Acts, um, as he was went from the one who was persecuting those who were following the way, the way of Jesus Christ, and was converted into one of Jesus' followers himself, Saul, who later became known as Paul. This week we continue in Acts chapter 9, so I invite you, if you have uh, a Bible today, to turn to Acts chapter 9. If you have a device that you point towards Scripture, you can navigate towards Acts chapter 9. Um, it'll also be on the screen behind me. But today we're going to be starting in verse um, 36 and reading to the end of the chapter, verse 43. Out of reverence for the reading of God's word, those who are willing and able, would you please stand as we read Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 36 from the Common English Bible. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. About that time, though, she became so ill that she died. After they washed her body, they laid her in an upstairs room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two people to Peter. They urged, please come right away. So Peter went with them. Upon his arrival, he was taken to the upstairs room. All the widows stood beside him, crying as they showed the tunics and other clothing Dorcas made. <clears throat> when she was alive. Peter sent everyone out of the room, then knelt and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, <clears throat> saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he called God's holy people, including the widows, and presented her alive to them. The news spread throughout Joppa, and many put their faith in the Lord. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. Please have a seat. <clears throat> I apologize for my voice. I, I did a little speaking yesterday at the wedding. So, And I also coached a couple soccer games yesterday, too. So <clears throat> it, it's, it's a little rough this morning. I want to ask you a question as we get started. How many of you have heard of, it's a very spiritual question, how many of you have heard of the Energizer Bunny? Please just raise your hand. Anyone heard of the Energizer Bunny? Absolutely. Here's a question, trivia question. Can anyone tell me the year that is credited as the birth year of said pink bunny? Anyone know? 92? A little lower? 87? A little higher? 74? Higher? It's actually 1989. Now, there was one in the 70s, but that was the Duracell bunny. And I don't know. Yeah, if you look it up, it's on the Internet somewhere. According to most websites, the, the birth date of the Energizer bunny is 1989. 33, 34 years old, something like that. This bunny has been around. <laughs> it's true. It just keeps going, right? <laughs> it just keeps going. Uh, I remember the old commercials. Like, they would launch this fake commercial, right, for an allergy spray or for some uppity restaurant, and they would have these actors that are kind of mid-sentence in, in, in throwing this pitch for this product or for this place. And out would walk the, the bunny, right, and, like, start knocking over glasses and all these characters in the in the commercial would look surprised and, and be like, what's, what's, what's going on with the pink, the pink bunny walking across the table? 
The reason I bring up the bunny is to simply ask this question to get you thinking. What are the things that don't quit in your life? What are the things that don't quit in your life? Can you think of some things? The first thing I thought about was, was the song that gets stuck in your head in the morning, right? The song that gets stuck in your morning, it's there all day. No matter what you do, no matter how you approach it, it's not leaving, it's just stuck there all day. I, I think of uh, a coworker or a classmate um, <laughs> that just won't stop talking to you and, and somehow seems to miss the social cues that you're trying to give to say, eh, this conversation could be over and I'd be okay with that. There's some bad things that, that just don't quit in our lives, but there's some, there's some good ones too, right? I think of... of the love and devotion of a spouse. I don't know why I might be thinking of that the day after Val's wedding, um, but but the the care that you provide in a in a loving married relationship. And on this day, on Mother's Day, I think of the care and the bond between a mother and a child. Um, kind of a sidebar. Um, this past Friday was the fifth anniversary of my mom's passing. So I've got this um, moment every year that kind of comes in the month of May where we celebrate Mother's Day very close to the day of her death. Um, and for some reason, five, five years kind of hit a little heavier for me um, this year. I'm grateful for, for Debbie's prayer, acknowledging that this is, this is a tough day. It's been a tough week for me this week, uh, texting with my siblings and, and remembering her life. But it struck me, some things just don't quit. Even my mom's love has not quit in my life these five years later. And so Luke and Acts, which is kind of this two-volume set, you've got to read the, the Gospel of Luke and the follow-up of the book of Acts as, as this two-volume set. Um, story written by the same author. It breaks into this story about Peter. Now, chapter 9 had been all about Saul. We talked about that. He goes uh, to Jerusalem. A- after what we talked about last week, Saul goes back to Jerusalem and says, guys, you'll never believe I'm a Christian now. I'm following Jesus. I saw this light. I heard this voice. And everybody's like, yeah, right. <laughs> he's, he's trying to get us arrested again. We know who this guy is. Um, and, and nobody believed him. And I remember Debbie talking about this earlier this year. Somebody stepped up and advocated for him. Who was it? Barnabas, yes. Barnabas said, we need to give this man a chance. Advocates for him. Um, And and so much so that that Paul uh, or Saul wasn't wasn't real appreciated. And there was an attempt on on Saul's life. And so he was kind of (laughs) sent off to Tarsus. And there's this... There's this period of time where they enjoyed some good, good days, right? As you, uh, as the, as this chapter concludes, talking about Paul or Saul, and then and then the then the story cuts to Peter. Now Peter was kind of touring the region. We're still in these expanding circles. We had started in Jerusalem for a number of chapters, and now we're moving out to Judea and Samaria as the gospel of the resurrected Christ is spread throughout the region. And, and Peter, who earlier in, in, in the verses just before we read, found a man that was paralyzed for eight years, Aeneas, and he heals him. 
And then we get to this passage that we read together about Tabitha. I'm impressed by this woman. I'm impressed by this woman. She, she was named a disciple from the very beginning. It's, it's like they wanted to introduce this woman and said, this is a disciple of Christ. In fact, and here's a little Greek trivia for you. I don't read Greek, but I know people who, I read books by people who do. Um, this is the only time the feminine version of this word that translates disciple is used to describe Tabitha in all of the New Testament. This is the only place. Only time the feminine form of the word disciple that's used here is used to describe Tabitha. Her name is listed in both Hebrew and Greek forms, likely because the place where she comes from, Joppa, had both Greeks and Hebrews in this town. Uh, you'll remember Joppa from from the Old Testament. Joppa was a was a port city. Do you remember in Jonah's story, right? Jonah Jonah had been told to go to Nineveh, go go to the land of the Assyrians and speak to the capital city of Assyria, for I have work to do there. God said. Jonah goes to Joppa and hops on a boat, <laughs> heads the other direction, says, I, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to go that way. Joppa was this port city where there was lots of trade and lots of uh, cultures represented. And then there's this one sentence about her life. It says this, her life overflowed with good works and compassionate acts on behalf of those in need. What a testimony. What a testimony of a disciple of Christ, one who says, my relationship with God, my walk with Christ, spills out into how I act in my life and what I do with my time. One writer, commentator, Joseph Harvard, wrote this. Have you ever met Tabitha? He says, I have. I have known her in every church I have ever served. She has no wealth or power except her deep and abiding commitment to give expression to God's compassion for those in need. She is tenacious about practicing her faith by serving others. And I asked that question. He wrote once again, have you ever met Tabitha? I found that to be true in the churches that I've known, in the churches that I've been a part of, in the churches that I've served at. There are Tabithas in every church. And there's some inferences we can make from this text as well. Um, likely she, she was doing okay for herself as far as monetary means. She had, had created this, this business or this craft of, of making clothes. She had a name for herself. Her works were showed off when Peter showed up. I can imagine, look what she made, look what she gave me. Can you, can you see the detail? Can you see the time and effort and work she put in to this article of clothing that she had made for me? It says the house where she was laid was a, was a two-story house. That wasn't common back in those days. There's evidence that she was, was doing okay. She was surrounded by widows. Uh, when a family member dies, that would have been uncommon. It normally would have been the family that surrounded this person that had passed away. But she was surrounded 
by widows. The text doesn't explicitly say this, but several writers note her lack of, of family being present probably meant that she was a widow herself. That in the final stages of her life, as, as her family was no longer present, she took that season of life as a, as a time to, to step into what God invited to her to do. To be compassionate and to care for others. Undoubtedly, she was well-loved. She was well-known and had made an in impact in the community of which she was a part. It says that Peter knelt and prayed. He, he had sent everybody out. He says, okay, everybody out of the room for, for a few moments. And it says that Peter got down and knelt and he prayed and turning toward the body, declared with these words, Tabitha, get up. It's time to get up. And she rose and was presented back to the community that was grieving, alive and well. An amazing story. Just, just a remarkable, remarkable story. One of the things that was pointed out as I was studying this passage this past week by, by Richard Thompson uh, was its parallelism to another story that was recorded in the book of Luke. Now, again, we're, we're treating Luke and Acts as kind of this two-volume set, this two-part story of, of Jesus' ministry and then the gospel being spread. But in Luke chapter 8, uh, Jesus has a, has a story that's similar. Jesus is, is summoned for uh, a, a man named Jairus, had a daughter that had been sick. Do you remember this story? Does that ring any bells? Jesus was in this crowd, and, and someone comes. Jairus comes and says, my daughter is sick. Please come. Please help her. Jesus was in a crowd and, and kind of gets distracted. Someone had touched him, and he turned around in this crowd and said, who touched me? I felt power go out from me. Um, and, and so there's kind of this moment where Jesus was delayed as he was in this crowd. And in that commotion and in that kind of chaos, someone comes to Jairus and says, no need to bother Jesus, for your daughter has passed away. And so Jairus tells Jesus this and says, ah, oh, it's too late. What does Jesus say? He says, believe. Believe. It's not too late. Let, let's, let's continue. Let's go on. And, and so... So Jesus goes to Jairus' house and comes, and, and the daughter has been dead for some time. And Jesus says, oh, no, she's not. He's not dead. She's just asleep. And Jesus, Jesus gets laughed at. We, Jesus, we know, we, <laughs> we know the difference between sleep and death. We've got this. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. And he, and he takes a few people, just his disciples, all the community members um, separated from that room, taking just Peter, James, and John into the room. And Jairus' daughter is raised. You see, I think Jesus was in the life-saving business when he was on earth. I think Jesus was in the life-saving business when he was on earth. And, and it, it doesn't always look the same. We have that example of, of Jairus' daughter. We also have the example of Lazarus, who was in the tomb for several days. And Jesus was like, roll away the stone. And the people around him were like, do you know what that potentially could smell like? 
I'm not sure this is a good idea. But there were also other life-saving stories of people who weren't dead yet. People like Zacchaeus, the guy that had to climb the tree to see Jesus. Everybody pushed to the back because he was lighter and it was easier to get. He says, well, I'm just going to climb this tree. I think of Matthew. I think of the woman at the well. Come meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. I think about Nicodemus. I think about Mary and Martha. And here we, t- we turn the spotlight on to Jairus' daughter. A physical resurrection brought back to life. But when I think about Zacchaeus, as he returned all the money plus multiple times as much, all the money that he had extorted from his neighbors, was his life any less restored? As he followed Jesus, as Matthew saw his tax collector and sinner friends dine at the table with Jesus, so much so that the Pharisees are like, does Jesus know who he's eating with right now? If he had any clue, there's no way he would eat with them. Did Matthew feel any less resurrected in the presence of Jesus with a new life, invited into a new way of living? And in our passage today, we see Peter do the same thing in much the same way. As as the the message of Jesus' gospel spreads by the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus continues. Lives are changed and restored and even resurrected. In this passage, we lay, we lay right on the cusp of, of Peter understanding at the house of Cornelius that Jesus' message, this invitation into new life living, wasn't just meant for the Jews. It's chapter 10 where Peter starts this journey of understanding that all of humanity is invited on this journey to walk with Jesus into the new creation living as new creations, being restored, being resurrected, having new life. That's Jesus' message. And Peter's about to find out that it's meant for all, even for the Gentiles, (laughs) even for those guys. I'm convinced that someone here today needs to hear this reality. Jesus' work, life, giving, life-altering, life-changing, life-resurrecting change goes on today. Just like Jesus started and just like Peter continued and just as it has for centuries of time, Jesus is in the business of changing lives. Amen? (laughs) The ultimate Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going on and on. This message changes us. This message is for all people at all times. It doesn't give up and keeps on going. The message of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, is ready to move and ready to work and ready to transform and ready to invite you and me into this new creation living, a life found as we begin to walk with Christ.
I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up as we close today. And as they do, I just want to I just want to affirm in you and invite you and tell you in no uncertain terms that, that although this story of resurrection, this story of, of one who made crafts and gave away clothes and lived a compassionate life seems so far distant. 2,000 years ago, you know, I, I talk with people sometimes about, you know, why don't, why don't we see the miracles today like we used to in the Bible? What, what, explain the gap to me, preacher. Help me understand that. And I don't have all the answers. And I can't tell you with any certainty the difference between now and then. But what I can tell you is this. God's still in the life-changing business. That when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, our lives are transformed. We're invited to live in this new creation life. Life committed to Jesus. A life that's filled with tenderness and compassion and care. It says when the Holy Spirit comes in you, the fruit in your life is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God wants to do all of those things. And when you've lived one way for so long in your life, God gets a hold of you and changes you it's new life it's resurrection life the invitation today is if you don't want to just read about it you don't want to just hear about it you don't want to wonder about it any longer you can say today I want to live it I want to live it in my life. I want to experience that new creation living that Christ invites us to. Today could be that day because Jesus just keeps on going. Still transforming lives even in 2022. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing as we close. If today you want that new life it's a simple prayer saying Christ I, I've been living my own way I've been walking my own way I've, I've been trying to do this life thing on my own would you help me would you come into my life today would you restore me would you resurrect me today help me live as you would want me to live that's a simple prayer and a lifelong journey. One that I'm still on, one that I'm still trying to figure out sometimes. <laughs> Certainly not perfect in my journey. Praise the Lord, that's not part of what he requires of us. But simply to invite him in and allow him to lead our lives. God, today we lift our lives to you. God, today... I I just feel there's, there could be someone who says, I've never experienced that resurrection life. I've never walked that journey with Christ. And today, if there is someone today praying that prayer, I'm grateful that you are faithful to answer that prayer and to begin that journey with that person. 
Lord, I pray for all of us who, who are on this journey that want to walk with you. God, may we not be callous. May we not be insensitive to the fact that, that you're resurrecting lives every day and transforming us every day and inviting us every day to live into that new creation. God, would you help us? Would you empower us and fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might know you more and more each day, being shaped and transformed by you each day. Thank you for the chance to worship you and to be in this space. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.